like me, Lee Murray, wanted to be world champion in the UFC. He just happens to be involved in the largest cash robbery in the world. He's definitely not sane. <laughs> Showtime Sports presents the unbelievable true story about the MMA fighter who pulled off one of the largest heists in history. Huge amounts of money, armed gang, disguises, kidnapping. This is the sort of thing you see in Hollywood films. We've never seen that for real. Catching Lightning, streaming Friday, April 7th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount Plus. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, Broncos country? Kev Dan here, and welcome again to another Orange Weekly post-game podcast. The Denver Broncos go on the road to Atlanta, and they showed up. But that was more or less it. And Tanner and I are going to be here to break it down with you. We are glad you're here with us today. Uh, We're going to have fun as always, though, because at least there is some football. So kick back, relax, grab that drink, and welcome to the Orange Weekly Post Game Podcast. Orange Weekly, fans, brews, and Broncos news. What's up, Broncos country? Tanner Lee and Kev Dan back again for another edition of the Orange Weekly postgame podcast. Unfortunately, Kev Dan, this one's not going to be as enjoyable to record as last week's. No, nope. we're still going to make it fun for everybody because that's what we do. We're the fun show. We're not. We are. Like, we're not like the pregame show. No, we're the fun show, but we're going to keep yeah, it real and. It's the more difficult show, but it's the more fun one at the That's same time. That's a good way to put it. Um, I would. Like I could sit here and make projections all day long too. I project I'm going to be a millionaire in ten years. You know, it doesn't mean that's easy to do. Yeah, you could be like Michael Scott. I mean, your projection <laughs> might be a little off, but uh, hey, you can you can still buy people some uh, lithium lithium uh, laptop batteries. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right, but, uh, but uh, I digress. <laughs> but we're gonna have fun. We're gonna get through it. We're going to hopefully uh, tell you all not to panic too much. Yeah, It was disappointing as the Broncos came up short yesterday in Atlanta by a score of 34-27. Um, another slow start for the Broncos. Yep, oh, 100%. But you know what? Um, yeah, it sucked to see Drew Locko out there and throw for three interceptions and zero touchdowns uh, with a 57.9 completion rate and a rating of 40.4. Oh, wait, sorry. That's Tom Brady. Sorry. Ooh. Oh. Oh, sorry. I got confused. Uh, Drew Locke did a little bit better (laughs) than Tom Brady, and that should tell you something. Um, But yeah, no, it was um, the worst part of it was the Broncos do this sometimes. Well, they'll suck, and then they give you just a glimmer of hope, just that little bit, you know, and when you got to that onside kick that just, it took the best balance you could possibly ask for on an onside kick other than you being able to recover it. Right. And you're just like, you're in that point. You're like, there, there is a little, little chance. And then they steal it back from you. And you're like, no, if you're no, just don't do that. Yep. I, just, just let me know that we're going to lose and we'll move on from there. Yeah, they did a good job of getting some of those garbage time points, I guess you can call it. And yeah, too little, too late. And, kind of got all of our hopes up a little bit, but the infuriating part is the offense looks so good in the fourth quarter the last two weeks. It's like, where's this in the first three quarters? Yeah. And you know, you could you know, make the arguments of, well, they were on the road on that early Eastern time zone, you know, game time. And, you know, they had virtual practices on Thursday and Friday. And I'm like, you know, look, we're halfway through the season. Yeah. You can't, you can't, there's, there's no excuse for it. And we had talked about a little bit in our group chat and even in the pregame show um, that this, if there ever was a game for the offense to carry the team, that was this game mm-hmm. with those three big injuries we had from AJ Bowie and Bryce Callahan and Shelby Harris all being out. Right. And you're just, and you still don't have Vaughn Miller and, you know, it's like, okay, offense, like this is your chance to go and step up and, and not only just prove yourself, but give the team an opportunity to at least be in this game. Right. And they failed incredibly in any way, shape and form. Yeah. And it wasn't like they were going against an elite defense. Atlanta's defense has a lot of holes. They're missing both their starting defensive ends. 
Um, so I really thought this was going to be a breaking out party for the uh, Broncos offense. Continue doing what they did last week in the fourth quarter against the Chargers. But it wasn't so. And I just can't figure out every week, you know, your first few drives are supposed to be the smooth ones. Those are the ones yeah. you script. The Pat Shermer uh, 15 or so scripted plays, they're not working. No. Week to week. Got to figure that out because I am tired of seeing the Broncos third and long every single over and time over. On the first drive of the game, second drive of the game. Got to get in some rhythm, and they're just not doing it. And then they find themselves in a hole like they did this week. Like you, like you mentioned, no A.J. Boye, no Bryce Callahan. So we knew playing with some young, inexperienced corners, Matt Ryan was going to pick on those guys, especially with a talent like Julio Jones. And yep. boy, did he ever. Yep. Um, they're just frustrating from the get-go and never really got any better. Well, looking at some of the, the numbers here, um, the Broncos only – ran the ball 16 times with eight of those coming from Philip Lindsay. Uh, he had a total of 28 yards rushing um, pass. He had 15 receiving yards there. So it was, it was atrocious, man. I mean, you see Philip Lindsay there at the, the number, the, the last spot in the offensive grades. Um it's it's disappointing. Uh, the you know Garrett Bowles was number three. Nick Vanette, that's a name you didn't really hear much this season. Uh, you're going to hear a lot more of them now that Albert Okawibanom tore his ACL. Which <laughs> welcome to the Broncos 2020 season. What is that? 13 um, or 14 guys on the IR now. Somebody made a joke. We just need to start calling the uh, the Broncos Stadium the ER. No kidding. <laughs> At this oh, point, man. it's just. You know, we're trying to stay patient because I think that's a message. Once again, I want to uh, send out the Broncos country. Is, yeah, this is frustrating. We're sitting at three and five. Tough. Really, every game from here on out looks pretty tough schedule-wise. Um, but I still think this franchise is going to be in good shape with all the young talent. But it is frustrating. And then you have the injuries on top of it. Just adds to the frustration because we can't control those. And Right. It's not just guys getting hurt. It's key guys to this team. It's not, you know, your third string. I don't even know. Third string tight end. It's the backup who's really been coming on the last four weeks. It's one of yeah. the Drew favorite targets. So uh, it just mm, trying to yeah. trying to hold the patience, but it is tough. And you, you, there's one little thing that I wanted to mention. Like, you know, not only was this an opportunity for the offense to, to try and give the team a chance to win here, but we were three and four. Like this is, this is an even bigger opportunity to go 500, yes. you know, really bounce back from the way you started the season, go out there and show, Hey, we're not out of this. We are a very, very young team and we have a long way to go, but you can't just count us out. But yeah. immediately, immediately they disproved that completely. I mean, in the first quarter. Yep. Yep, it it was a big game because I mean you look at uh, Vegas is playing better, and the Chargers keep losing every week, but they look like they got their franchise quarterback. KC is who KC is, defending Super Bowl champs, one of the best teams in the league. They got Mahomes for the next 12, 15 years. So, um, you know, I think that adds a little pressure to Drew Locke and, and and from the fan base too. But you're right, the Broncos had a big opportunity to get back to four and four and get right in the mix of things, but. Slip up to be three and five. Now you're staring at a Vegas team, like I said, who's starting to play better and just won. Miami, who's coming on, Oof. fresh quarterback, good defense. New Orleans, who looked awesome last night. That's Denver's next three games. Yep. Tough stretch. Um, the, I mean, we really needed this one at Atlanta and just disappointed to see. Yeah. Uh, you know, funny thing here, looking at rushing yards, who was, who was the Broncos' top rusher this last week? Drew Locke. Drew Locke. Uh, that should tell you something looking, I mean, looking at the passing yards though, I mean, Drew Locke was 25 for 48, 313 yards, two TDs and an interception. Matt Ryan was 25 for 35, 285 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. So those numbers aren't too different, but what I, what I'm getting at in terms of, you know, especially when it comes to the rushing, why did we run the ball only 16 times? I don't understand. I don't understand why Phil Lindsay's not giving more to workload. It just baffles my mind. Um, I even, 
took a bet. I think the over under for his rushing yards was like 36 or 36 and a half. He's going to get that easily. That's what I, yeah. Of course. 100%. Um, you know, I'm still, I was fine and still am fine with the Melvin Gordon signing, but I don't know why he continues to get more carries than Philip Lindsay. Yeah. I just don't understand it. Philip runs it so hard when he does get the ball. Um, it's just, I have a lot of issues with Pat Shermer right now. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not calling for his head. No. But still, we're too early. And we've had four offense coordinators the last four years. Do we re- really want to go through that revolving door yet again? Yep. With a bunch of young players and a young quarterback, that's just tough, tough on them. But uh, but there's uh, I can see why he's an enemy among Broncos country right now for sure. Oh, you got him, you got Fangio, you got Drew Locke, you got John Elway, and I the water boy, I, I the water boy, yeah, us the calling for us to get fired because no. No, I, if you are, then stop listening. Don't give them uh, any ideas. <laughs> Well, you know, after they listen to the the pregame podcast, and I don't yeah. blame them, but yeah, we're, we're not first in line. We make we make up for for the lack that they get in the. Pre- I'm just kidding. Everyone should listen to the pregame podcast yeah, too. Good, good, good. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I get it. But at the same time, there are those arguments that you have to give these guys a chance to develop and grow. They are the youngest team in the NFL. They are, they are the most unexperienced team. It's not that they're, they're the worst. I mean, they can't, they're in the bottom there, right? But they're the most unexperienced. Mm-hmm. You know, you throw out, okay, that's fine. You throw out Drew Lockie, another quarterback. Yeah, maybe they'll be okay. But you're, yeah, you're looking at Herbert. Well, yeah, it's his first year. You can't, you can't sit there and say, oh, yeah, this guy is the next franchise quarterback. He's going to do amazing. You know, like let teams – you know, figure him out and, you know, go into the off season. There's no chance or there's no way you can sit here and say, oh yeah, well, you know, in eight games, we can already tell that Herbert's better than Drew Locke. Sorry, you can't, you know, no. you have to have that continuity. And if after three seasons, it's not working, you're not making any progression. Okay. Now it's time to have that conversation about a new head coach, new offensive coordinator, whatever, but we are so far from there. And my biggest argument of all is, a lot of this, a lot of this is coming from the top down and for anyone, you know, military background or not, the way I liken this to is you have a general running an entire organization, right? General leaves. And instead of being replaced by another general, you get a bunch of lower ranking uh, officers together in a room and they're all trying to run the show, you know, and it's not just one of them. It's like 10 of them in a room trying to figure out what's going on. And that's exactly what's happening with the Broncos right now is there is no leadership. There is no one giving anyone direction on where to go. Nope. And uh, I mean, I know we've covered this many different times and fortunately we're going to cover it many more times in the future. It's, yep. It all starts with the ownership group, the Bowlin family just fighting amongst each other. Um, and you got the Bowlin trust. And then, I mean, for everybody calling for Vic Fangio and the coaching change, blah, blah, blah. If you get that, you realize John Elway might be gone too. Uh, some people want that. And some people but then, do want that. Okay, who are you going to bring in? You're still not going to fix the ownership issue. They're exactly. still not going to have a direction. They're not, you know, and even then, okay, you know what? And it, it doesn't piss me off, but it really annoys me. Like, is, is Vic Fangio the one out there throwing interceptions? Is Vic Fangio the one out there dropping those passes? No. Is Vic is Vic Fangio the one out there on the defense, like, you know, missing tackles and stuff? No. He, he can only do so much, you know, and firing coaches oftentimes I think is more of a scapegoat, you know, Hey, this team's sucking. we got to do something about it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so, you know, a lot of times it is justified, but you're not firing players so much as you are firing the coach and trying, trying to make a point, I guess, to the, everyone that, Hey, look, we're trying to do something. Yeah. Yeah. And my, my biggest thing with Fangio yesterday, one, one gripe I had with him was early in the game. We, it was fourth down. We would have lined up for like a 58, 59-yard field goal, and we lined up in a pump formation, and then he takes a timeout. Yep. So, okay, we're going to try McManus on. You know, he's only missed one this year. And one, one attempt, he's looked really good. We're going to try it indoors. He says he can hit from 68. And then we end up punting the ball. Wasting well, a after, timeout. Exactly. After the game, he said he was going to go for it, and then Tom McMahon talked him out of it. No. Don't let your special teams coordinator, if you waste a timeout, go through with your initial plan, what you're going to do. Yeah. 
Yeah, that his sometimes his clock management's the one thing that bugs me about Fangio. But but like you said, he's not out there catching the ball, throwing the ball, doing different things like that. But he is the one making those decisions. Yeah, and I didn't hear that, and I'm surprised he even admitted to that. Um, like you said, you're wasting a timeout for it. And, and one thing, and I talked to you know Jason and I were calling the game live uh, from Colorado Cork and Keg uh, yesterday. Um, but we had mentioned, you know, Atlanta looked like they're playing like they had nothing to lose. Nope. Let's go out there. Let's just play a game. We're two and six. Let's just let's just go out there and see what happens. But at the kind of the same time, the Broncos are sort of at that point. Like you really need a win. You need your offense to to do something. Why not go for a forty-eight yard field goal? You know, if it doesn't work well, it's early off. It's early enough in the game that you should be able to recover from that, mm-hmm. right? But when your offense is struggling the way it is, go for it, man. Yeah, and Brandon, he's been the bright spot of the team. Yep. So you can almost argue he's been the MVP of the team. He has. Are you kidding so, me? I mean, it's, not an argument. it's not an argument, man. Just let him. I mean, if you don't have confidence in him, indoors from 58 to 59, when he, the announcers even said he told the coaches or, or maybe they were watching him warm-ups, hit from 68 in pregame, let him do it. Let him I do mean, it. That could have really sparked the team. It just really frustrated me yeah. to no end. Um, yep. But the offense, there was a few guys I did thought that I did think played well. Right. Jerry Judy continues to get better. Um, it was great mm-hmm. to see him score a touchdown. His route running is awesome. He had a couple couple drops, but uh, those happened. KJ Hamler thought played uh, his best game in the Broncos uniform. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, he had the game winning touchdown last week, but uh, I thought those two really stood out. Um, I did not think Tim Patrick had one of his better games. No, he didn't. Uh, um, he's ranked about two thirds of the way down the list of the PFF scores. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty accurate. You know, talking about Cam or uh, KJ Hamler and uh, Jerry Judy, though, there are a couple moments where you saw how absolutely fast they can be. Yes, you know, there was one time K- uh, KJ Hamler caught a pass, and I can't remember where, what, what point in the game it was, but. I mean, he was gone. Like <laughs> you, you blink and he's 10 yards down yep. the field, you know? And it's like, okay, now this is some raw talent. We can really, really start to work with uh, as we develop these young players. So, you know, you're talking about making good draft picks. You can't fault John Elway for that one. hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, like that was an amazing draft pick and you're seeing some of this stuff work out really well for him. Obviously not everyone's going to be a home run, but he's been making some very, very good picks lately. Uh, Lloyd Cushenberry is one that's, we're going to have to wait for an answer on because, you know, playing center, especially as a rookie is, is very, very, very tough. It's probably just as tough, if not more so than being a quarterback. Um, And you can maybe attribute some of that to the, the, you know, having a bad run game, but when you only run the ball 16 times, you can't say that there even was a run game. So anyway, uh, again, it goes back to is Elway really the problem to some degree? Yeah. But some degree he's, he's doing what he can. Yep. Yeah. The players have to be held accountable um, at some point. Um, And I know injuries play a big part of it. I'm not, not trying to uh, ignore that by any means. I mean, the Broncos will be the most injured team in the league. But everybody's banged up a little bit, so you just gotta yeah. gotta go through it with it and play with the best fifty-three man roster you can you can build. Put them on the field. Um, I even thought a few guys played decent on defense. I thought Justin Simmons played well. Got his third interception of the year, which I believe leads all safeties in the NFL. So the guy's just giving us more reasons to try to pay the man. I even thought Bassey played pretty well. Um, he started off a little slow, but compared to some of the other defensive backs, I thought he played well. But uh, I was disappointed yeah. by the lack of pass rush. Yep. Yesterday. And honestly, that was one of the uh, better parts of uh, <laughs> of our defense, to be honest. It wasn't great, but that tells you how yeah. bad we were yeah. on defense. Yeah. Malik Reed uh, and his pass rush, he was the one that uh, did some fantastic stuff. Also, uh, let's see, number 95, I think it was uh, – McTelvin Aguim, if I'm saying his name right, I can't. Rookie uh, from Arkansas. Yeah, yeah, he got through a couple times. Uh, he had a pretty solid pass rush score as well. Josie Jewell, holy crap, that guy had a fairly fairly decent game. But there's, uh, yeah, I mean, there are some players that really stood out. Uh, but it's tough when you have those 
you know, three starters out and you're facing somebody like Matt Ryan, who is, you know, incredibly talented when it comes to passing. Yeah. They're testing out our very banged up secondary. Um, but yeah, so I, I think they did everything they could within reason to keep, keep us in the game. It just, you know, offense goes out there for two minutes and the defense is right back on there, you know? Yeah. Got to get first downs. Got to sustain drives. I mean, I know I kind of sound like a broken record now going back to a slow start, but it's just so crucial. It's week after week. This team gets on a slow start. Defense gets behind. Then they keep getting on the field, um, like you said, and, and then they get tired. And it's just over and over again. And then, I mean, Jerry Judy kind of said after the game, we're getting sick and tired of losing, which – it's amazing. Jerry Judy's lost five games now as a Bronco. He only <laughs> lost four in three years at Alabama. I mean, right. it is Alabama. Kudos to them. A great program they've built there. But uh, So he's not used to this. Um, uh, yeah, it's uh, – this game this weekend's huge. Yeah. It's the Raiders. Well, I think this is the tipping point of the season. It's beat the Raiders week. And, uh, it is Raiders I mean, week, yeah. Uh, it's one of those things where you're like, okay, if you're going to win any game, any game – please make it be against the Raiders. You know, we are on the road there and it's going to be tough, you know, but with Shelby Harris back and if we can get, uh, and Callahan both back and need them both bad. Yeah. You know, that that'll do a lot. Um, really boost your, your, uh, defense there. I think more than anything, I think we're missing Shelby Harris. Yeah. I, mean, I, I agree. Think that is just such a, he's such a cornerstone to this defense. Uh, and when it comes to the front line there, um, I mean, the, the Falcons offensive line were just, you know, for the most part, they they were keeping the pocket incredibly clean for Matt Ryan. And if I'm Drew Locke, I'm going to I'm going to sit back and I'm going to watch Matt Ryan. I'm going to sit back and I'm going to watch um, Drew Brees, because if you, you saw those players and, you know, I watched you know, definitely watched the New Orleans Tampa Bay game last night, the way Drew B- Brees just sits in that pocket and goes through his reprogressions, doesn't freak out and trust his offensive line is phenomenal. But I think that's the key word there is trust. Does does Drew Locke trust himself and does he trust his offensive line and does he trust his receivers to make the catch? Yeah, you can tell Breeze trusts his teammates. I mean, I think he was as surprised as anyone last night when Tampa started playing zone on him instead of man. So, okay. So, uh, he's got the chemistry with his guys. Um, not saying that Drew doesn't. I think he's really starting to develop nice chemistry with Jerry Judy. He's just got to get it with all the other guys. Just be more consistent. Still got to work on his footwork. Mm-hmm. I think he uh, he uh, falls backwards too much. Kind of drifts backwards yep. too much when he gets in trouble. But um, I'm still not giving up on him. I'm still have hope that he is the guy. Uh, he's got a lot more uh, football left this year to prove us one way or, or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we need to start this week. I, I mean, we need we need consistency out of him and just the office in general. Yeah. Because um, that's one thing I will say that Derek Carr for the Raiders, he won't make tons of mistakes. No. Nope. He's not going to put up the flashy stats, but he's not going to give you too many chances. Um, so yeah. it's going to be an interesting matchup. Yeah. Uh, I think more so for, you know, us trying to keep some semblance of the season. Yeah, because no. I mean, I got over the schedule earlier. You lose this one. Yeah, no, really then you got the, the whole, You're three and six. Yep, and I'm going to be at the Miami game, so um, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, yeah. You win this one, then you can get some confidence, and then two. I mean, he looked great yesterday. He's he's very yeah. talented. I think they got themselves a good one, and, and Miami's a young team that you're starting to see them get confidence and get better. And, and I think they got a bright future as well. Yeah. Um, but they, they started building that at the end of last year. That's something the Broncos can do this year. Mm-hmm. Build, start building on things. We thought we were there last year, winning four of the last five just hasn't necessarily carried over at least consistently this year, but uh, a lot of football left to be played, but they got to get it going. It was just, I, I just can't say many good things about yesterday's performance. I just can't sugarcoat it because there wasn't a lot of, Good things to be said. It was a pretty no. bad performance, even though the score only indicated a seven-point loss. Yeah, and I mean, the scoreboard is what matters at the end of the day, right? So yeah. when you're talking about garbage time points, I mean, yeah, okay, that's part of why the offense did so well in the fourth quarter. But, man, it was just so heartbreaking to see them, you know, have so much energy at the end of the, the Chargers game there. 
and then didn't bring a single ounce of that with them to Atlanta. They yeah. must they must have not packed that in their bags or something because it was non-existent. And then I'm like, yeah, I know Atlanta has been winning some games and has some momentum, but I'm like, there's no way this team's going to come out there and look flat. You know, like they they have some energy behind them. They know what kind of position they're in to really kind of bolster their confidence moving forward. And it just, like I said in the the opener here, you know, the they showed up, they put their uniforms on, and uh, and they're yeah, that was. That was it. <laughs> I think we've lost our last four, if not five games, when we've wore all blue. Now we can win when we wear blue uh, tops with white pants. Right. But the all when, blues seem to be cursed right now. So get rid of those things. There's there's a lot of curses. I mean, let's just not let's let's find a way yeah. to talk to the NFL and be like, you know what? Let's just uh, not play any early time zone or any time game yeah. slots. Yeah. Like we'll pay you, you know, however much money you want just to give us that later time slot. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's truth. We just struggle in the the one one p.m. Eastern time zone um, time slot. Yep. You're right. So, okay, Tanner, where do we go from here? Oh man, that's a great question. I mean, this is the tipping point. I really do think you can get this win. Uh, you get to you know four and five. You're not out of it, especially with the seven teams reaching the playoffs instead of just six. But if you lose, you're three and six, and you're really digging yourself in the hole, which I'm not very confident that they can dig themselves out of. Yeah. But uh, the offense just got they got away. They got they got to find a way to run the ball better. Yeah, I felt like yesterday they were trying to run it to set up the pass, which a lot of times you'll see offenses pass to set up the run. I think yeah. Pat Shermer wants to do the opposite, but yet when you're only giving your running back or you're only rushing 16 times. One of your running backs only getting six carries. That's not going to do it. Um, not at all. I, I just don't know. I don't. I don't know where this team goes from here. I mean, hopefully we get Graham Glasgow back this week from COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shelby Harris, like you said, hopefully Boye and Callahan back from injuries. Um, so hopefully we get some of those guys back because this team is just not deep in experience enough to keep playing through some of these injuries. Um, but, I mean, it's a winnable game. It's Raiders week. They better be pumped. They, they better, better be come out ready to, get ready to go. But but I've said that other times in the past, and they come out and disappoint me. So, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, fact, fact check myself here. Okay. I'm not sure what I was looking at. Uh, we ran the ball 22 times. Okay, not 16. Then. But this doesn't uh, – yeah, okay. So 22 times compared to the Falcons, 32 times. Yeah. Um, yeah, our yards per rush weren't too bad, but again, you're talking about, I mean, you're right. I think they're approaching, you know, how they're using the run plays, you know, what, what mentality are they putting behind it? And it doesn't seem like they're committed to the run game. They're committed to the pass game and they're using the run game to, as a crutch for that. And I think it 100% needs to be, uh, the other way. Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, very frustrated with Pat Sherman right now. Pretty nicely, but but I'm not calling for the job. Just very frustrated. A couple of things. I, I really thought um, his style would fit these players better than it has. Yeah. Um, Fangio came out and uh, had his back today. Said he's been he's seen the highs of highs and the lows of lows throughout the league, and <laughs> confident that he'll get it going. So, what else but, is he going to say? That's what a head coach should say. Right. But you know, he's not wrong. Like he has been there in both positions. And so I'd rather trust that than a, you know, fresh coach, which, you know, that's hit or miss. Yeah. You can sit here all day and scream, Oh, we should have gotten Kyle Shanahan. Okay. But you didn't know what was going to happen there. And even then look how, you know, they struggled the first couple of years with them and they're not doing too great this year, but you know, yeah, he has a ton of potential and and being a, a long term really uh, really good head coach. But it takes time. If you're looking at these little sna- snapshots, you're not you're not doing it. I mean, you're you got to give yourself the full picture, and unfortunately, it takes time to get that full picture. Yes, it does, and uh, it's just patience. It's it's hanging in there, and it's tough. Trust me. I know Kev Dan's frustrated. I know Ayla's frustrated. I know Matt's frustrated. I know Jason's frustrated. Ah, that's Canadian. Ayla. It doesn't matter. Oh, well, yeah. And technically, if anybody didn't know, his favorite team's actually the Falcons. Yep. So I actually have no sympathy for him ah. right now. Um, yeah. 
But Ray's frustrated. Jason, Jared, uh, I think it covered everybody. David, I think it covered David. everybody. If I've missed somebody, I apologize. We're all frustrated, but we also do see some bright spots in this team. We see the youth. I mean, the commentators, Rich Gannon was talking about it yesterday, that this team's young and they got a lot of potential. I mean, it's got to come together. Everybody's just got to be patient, but it is hard being a fan of a National Football League team and being patient. But at this point, we, we don't really have another choice. We can either yep. be patient and pissed off or just pissed off all the time without any uh, without seeing anything through. So I think I'm tired of the Drew Locke stuff on Twitter, to be honest. And unfortunately, that's not going away. No, some uh, of it's granted, but some of it's yeah, yeah. holy cow. Some of it's just overreaction 2.0. Right. I mean, I can't sit here and say, you know, I, I can defend Drew Locke on everything. Oh, no. Really. Like his, his interception yesterday was awful. Yeah. It's terrible. And it came at, the, came at the worst time. Yeah. I don't know what he was thinking there. But I don't know. I, I, I mean, he's put up pretty similar stats that Herbert has mm-hmm. for the fa- first next few weeks. But you don't hear about him. I mean, the media loves saying Herbert's, you know, the franchise. He's this and that. He's up for rookie of the year. But Drew Locke, eh, time, time to move on. Right. That's all you're hearing from the media. And this is, you know what? I wish they're never going to do that, this, but I wish they would find a way when they're giving quarterback stats, you know, like Drew Locke was 25 of 48, but how many of those were dropped passes where Drew Locke put the ball exactly where it needed to be. And the receiver is the one who dropped it because you can't fault the quarterback for a drop. Good point. You you can't, if, if the quarterback, you're looking at the film, he says that hit the, that was an incredibly catchable pass. It hit the receiver in the chest, got it in his hands, and they they dropped it. That's not Drew Locke's fault. Yeah, very <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, the, the passing yards, the touchdown passes, the interception, yes. But you're looking at 25 for 48. Well, how many of those, you know, incompletions were dropped passes? And there were a number of them, mm-hmm. you know, which, yeah, Jerry Judy, that's kind of what, you know, he's – this is his eighth game. He's still learning you know, it's, it's going to come around. It's going to improve. But when you're trying to justify getting rid of drew lock. Yeah. Like you said, the numbers are not that different from other quarterbacks. There's just no experience on the team to really help support that. And one play that I go back to yesterday, I think kind of sums the game up in a nutshell for the Broncos was late in the game when drew tried to throw a flip, a little past the Phil Lindsay and it hit him right in the helmet. Yep. That just kind of summed up the Broncos day. Yesterday, it it was like Melvin Gordon's, uh, you know, play in the the week before that, where just you know, whatever it was, his his pitch back to the oh the flea flicker, the flea flicker. Thank you, and was, you're yeah, just like two weeks, two weeks ago against Kansas City. God, that was two weeks ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's, it's all blending together now, man. <laughs> Isn't that bad? Like it's yeah, that's where we are right now. Yep. 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 It's uh. Still have the faith. I'm not gonna lose the faith, but it no. is frustrating. Yeah, you know what's not frustrating? What's that? Looking for insurance uh, when you go through Centennial State Insurance Agency. Great segue. Uh, I'm not even kidding you. Like those guys are phenomenal, and yes, they sponsor us. But I will tell you that I uh, was looking for car insurance, kind of shopping around not too long ago, uh, and this is a, a smaller. Uh, insurance agency, but with that, you get the the personal touch that you won't get from any of these bigger corporations. Um, you know, you'll have a dedicated insurance agent uh, if you go through them, uh, autos insurance, homeowners insurance, whatever. Uh, and so, if something happens, God forbid, uh, you know exactly who you're going to talk to. They they know you, they know your family, they know your situation. And if you're shopping around and you know you're comparing prices, and they're not the best choice to go with. Uh, They'll tell you that's exactly what happened to me. They said, based off your situation right now, we're not the best, best ones to go with and, and try getting that kind of answer from any other big corporation. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if you're, if you're looking around and and you're trying to find a company that's going to take care of you, uh, no matter what the situation, uh, definitely reach out to Centennial State Insurance Agency. They're on Facebook, but you can call them as well. 303-838-0554. I'm working on it. I'm working on the uh, the fitting it in there. I like now. it. I mean, I mean you're, you're right. I mean, I mean, I live in Indiana, so of course I'm I'm not a client of theirs, but uh, 
I have dealt with insurance a lot this year, unfortunately, for a few different reasons. And you definitely want somebody you can rely on and trust that will be there to answer the phone whenever you call them, no matter time of day or night. Yep. You don't want to be sent to uh, some person overseas <laughs> working for, for uh, the big corporation or, or or even just somebody in a big corporation in general because they get thousands of calls a day. They're not You're not a special case to them. You're just a normal case and you're not going to get the relationship and the coverage you want and the answers and the, and the honesty. Like you said, they told you that eh, at this time, we're not the right fit for you. You don't get that. That is not, that does not come from every insurance company. hundred percent, hundred percent. Once again, Centennial State Insurance Agency, 303-838-0554. What I am looking forward to, and I really hope this happens, Tanner, is when we're talking about trust and consistency and all these other good things is we're actually talking about the Broncos. Um, and and <laughs> one, one of these days, it's going to happen. Yeah, here's happen. hoping. So yeah. I'm, look, I'm looking at this team, and I, I tend to be the optimist of, of us here at Orange Weekly. I know Somebody that. I think Jer- Jared took over that role uh, a couple years ago with his, uh, his saying, we're not mathematically eliminated. There's still a chance. And you know, even I get to a point where I'm like, uh, no, um, but I can't help but look at this team and see those flashes of brilliance and say, this team will never be good. I just can't do that. There's so much potential on this team that give, give them enough experience over the next, give them a full off season and a full preseason and continue to gel and all, all those keywords you could use those bingo keywords. Right. Um, you know, can I promise that we're going to win a Super Bowl? No, but it's there. It's there. the The seeds of success are there. Yes, yes, they are. And and, and like you said, it's we see glimpses. And um, I mean, this isn't like a team like uh, like the Jets, <laughs> who are literally just playing for Trevor Lawrence at this point. Even though they are pretty competitive right now with the Patriots, which is funny within itself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but it, it, you're right. It, it, we're at such a weird part of the season because we're at the midway point. The schedule's pretty tough from here on out. I mean, it could turn really ugly pretty fast. Yeah. Or they could gel together and make a run at the playoffs. Yeah. But time is running out already mm-hmm. for this team to make a run at the playoffs. So chances are they probably won't make the playoffs this year. But that doesn't mean it is doom and gloom for the years to come. Right. They have a lot of nice pieces to build on. Just got to stay healthy for a yeah. little longer than a couple weeks. Yep. And uh, keep the consistency among most of the staff. Doesn't have to be all. But right. like I said, I'm frustrated with Pat Shermer right now, but I don't think the move is to get rid of him because five new coordinators in five years is just not how you're going to do it. No, 100%. If anyone, uh, Mick Mahone is the one that needs to go and his special teams, which I didn't check, but I'm going to, if I'm, if I'm Ray uh, on the Rager show uh, where we're taking sports bets and he's, uh, you know, walking us through what sports bets he's taking as I pull it up here, I would 100% base all of my life savings on the fact that our special teams uh, is still the worst in the league by far. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and look that up. Uh, if you want to maybe talk about, you know, what you see from special teams. Yeah. I mean, McManus has been a bright spot. Sam Martin's been eh, okay, but the coverage just hasn't been that great. The kick coverage into punt coverage out in Denver has been a problem for many years now. It's not just the last year or two. It's been a problem for a long time. Um, and, and, and when it comes to the return game, I'm not real worried about it most of the time because out in Denver, we rarely get a chance to return a kick at least because of the touchbacks. Um, and that's another guy we were without this week was De- Devontae Spencer. But I will say, I don't really like Tyree Cleveland back there. I thought there were three or four times yesterday he should have let the ball uh, or he should have just kneeled it for a touchback and he brought it out and didn't even get to the 25. But I like K.J. Hamler back there. One time he was back there yesterday, he got it to the 30, if not the 35, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, like we talked about earlier, he's got a special kind of speed. He makes fast people look not so fast. because Not so fast. fast. Um, so put him back there, see what he can do. Um, but 
But, uh, yeah, I'm just not a big Tom McMahon fan. I know this is his second year out in Broncos country. I thought he did a great job in Indianapolis. So when we, we originally hired him, I thought it was a, a diamond in the rough. I thought it was a great pickup, and it just hasn't translated on the field. And some people were saying on Twitter yesterday that they uh, the camera caught a few different times him and Fangio kind of bickering at each other. I didn't really see that, but I'm not saying it didn't happen. I probably just missed it. But, uh, yeah, I think I think his seat's pretty warm as far as the, the personnel. Oh, his pants is probably on fire at this point. So the interesting thing is you look – the difference in the score between the number one ranked special teams and the number 12 ranked special teams is 1.6. Wow. The Colts are ranked at 91.6 and the Texans are ranked at uh, 90.0. The difference. Colts are number one one in special teams. Yes. So we lose, Um, we get their special teams corner a few years ago (laughs) and they're still, because he was good there when he was there and now he's there. No, geez. Yep. So the funny thing, though, is the amount of uh, the, the score difference between the Titans, who have the 31st ranked special teams, and the Broncos ranked last, 16 points. We are ranked at 41.0, and the Titans are ranked at 57.0. That's so there's a bigger right difference there. between the last two teams than there are in the top 12 teams. That's embarrassing. Yeah, I did not realize it was that bad. It's that bad. Yep. And, and that's special teams is so crucial in the NFL. That's the difference between a close loss and a close win a lot more times than not. Yep. I'm, I'm very frustrated right now. I had no idea it was that bad. I knew it wasn't good, but I knew it didn't think it was that bad. I'm, I'm, I'm really yeah. going to attention to special teams on Sunday. You no, know, it's, uh, it, you know, special teams, just one of those things where it's like, you don't think about it unless you really suck. And we hear about it a lot this year because we really suck. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. So it's, you know, I think at this point you need a new coach because if you're okay, anyone out there who's fired or who's talking about wanting to fire uh, Vic Fangio or Pat Shermer, but hasn't talked about the special teams coach in any way, shape or form, you are looking in the wrong place. Yeah. Tom McMahon hasn't come out of your mouth. Yeah. Then go reevaluate. He's the first one that needs to go by far. And that should have, at this point, I'm surprised it hasn't happened. I mean, you, Special teams, I don't think is – you can get a coach out there that's that's got to be better than Tom, you know, and, and come on, man. Like, this is this is ridiculous. I thought it was interesting today. I listened to a Broncos podcast today that uh, didn't only call out Fangio and Shermer, also co- called out quarterback coach Shula. Hmm. Whoa. I've, I, I've, I hate to say, I even forgot he was the new quarterback coach. Yeah, me too. Uh, I'm like, interesting. <laughs> Because they, they were pretty much saying they all three need to get on the same page early in the game and get this going. Yep. Fix the slow starts. And, and Fangio did admit to the press today that we got to fix the slow starts as a team, as a whole. Offense, defense, everything. But I think it's more on the offense than the defense. Yeah. yeah. The defense can only do so much. Especially with how banged up they were. Yeah. Yeah. And your offense didn't do anything. I mean, you get that one interception – from Matt Ryan at the perfect opportunity and you do absolutely nothing with it. Yep. And so, you know, they're all playing because, you know, they're getting paid. They, they're, they want to make a good name of for themselves. If not, you know, for the team as a whole, obviously, but there's gotta be, gotta be some mental aspect of this, of while we are playing our asses off and we are doing everything we can week in and week out and our offense is doing absolutely nothing with those chances. I will say the defense, and, and like we said, they've been baiting up and everything. They've gave up uh, 30 points or more three straight games for the first time since the last three games of the uh, Mike Shanahan era in 2008. Oh, wow. But the reason I bring that up is I, I saw this, somebody compare this on Twitter. And unfortunately, I wasn't a Bronco fan during the Shanahan era. I wish I was, um, but I wasn't. <laughs> So I, I'm, I'm posing this question to you and maybe to all the rest of the listeners. Maybe they can hit us up on Twitter if they have a opinion. But I saw somebody compare this offense right now with Locke, Lindsey, Sutton when healthy, Judy, um, Fant, yada, 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 to when the Broncos had Cutler, Marshall, Scheffler, um, I think Eddie Royal, I think was the other name. Yeah. And um, that group. You think that's a fair comparison? Because that 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 group never really, they didn't get enough time to gel, but they never really panned out. Yeah, and I think 
I think that is a fair um, comparison to to some degree. And but what you just said, that's exactly it. They didn't have enough time to gel. Yep. You don't got, give these guys enough time to grow and develop as a team together, sticking together for the long haul. Yeah, you could have all these great key pieces, but it, it, come on. That's like just rotating, you know, if you're working in office and somebody new comes in every, you know, six weeks or whatever, you, you know, like that's going to get really frustrating really, really fast. Right. Yeah. And so, and it, you know, they're very too uh, comparing an, an apple with, you know, a brick, you know, two very different things there. I know, but um, it's, it's a concept that you have to give these times, uh, these guys time to gel. And so I would say so, but I want to avoid that being a more accurate comparison in giving these guys time to develop with the coaching staff in place. Uh, and you know what, and then, you know, these players have four years together and they're, they're slowly getting better. Now, when you replace a coach, if you have to, it's not as big of a shock yeah. because then they're all on the same page. They, they can read the tone of each other's voices. They can, they know exactly what the other person's going to do. They just got to learn a new playbook, but it's not as huge of a shock as it would be to these guys right now when they're just trying to learn, you know, Drew Locke's on his second, you know, it's a second year and he's yep. working on his second, you know, playbook, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You want to make that transition smooth, as smooth mm-hmm. as possible. And, you know, looking back, I'll pose you this question. Do you think it was a mistake to move on from Rich Skin Gorilla? <sighs> Knowing what we know so far this season and remembering how Locke performed his last five games last year. I, I, don't because I, I think it's okay because now we have all these newer, younger players that we got through the draft this last year's draft that have such incredible promise. So if we're going to replace anyone, I'd rather it be now when we're really in a, a, the rebuilding mode isn't just starting where we're, we're getting those, you know, those gears turning. Um, and I think this, that was the perfect time. You know, if you had kept uh, Skangarilla a little longer, obviously he wasn't, making any call playing doing play calls very well. And his, his playbook wasn't good and he wasn't aggressive in the right times. And so there, there are arguments both ways. I think it's, yeah, let's start fresh now with these, with these players, with a guy who has been a, a head coach before an offensive coordinator for years with very good teams, very bad teams as well. So that he, he, he also has seen both sides of the spectrum, right. Versus skin gorilla who just clearly wasn't cutting it in any way, shape or form. Um, so I get arguments from all sides of that. Um, but I'm, I'm okay with it as long as we don't continue to switch them out every year or two, you know? Yeah, because I, I see a lot of people on Twitter saying that Shermer isn't turning his offense into – or isn't building his offense around Drew Locke's strength. Right. More, Here's my offense. you got to learn how to run it. And I'm not sure if that's correct or not. I just don't know enough from just, just watching yeah. on the couch. But uh, the one thing I do notice, notice this last few games, was Locke so much better when he's up-tempo. Yeah. Oh, why were we not doing why any sort of hurry up offense? Up tempo. And, and to, I laugh when some people say, oh, well, we just can't do that. How we're built. Who said we can't? Look at Arizona. Yeah. They're up tempo all the time. Miami's a little up tempo now too. Teams are starting to do that. Teams have done that in the past. We used to do it with Peyton. He just it looks like, for my eyes, he's more comfortable in up tempo offense, which we were doing yesterday when we were behind so, by so much in the fourth quarter and things started to click. Yep. But I don't understand why they can't sprinkle that in there. Sprinkle it. I mean, I, I think at that point later in the game, it was obvious that no, we weren't mathematically, you know, eliminated from that game as Jared would have probably said, but yeah. you're in a position where now it's kind of more of a learning experience for these young guys, put them in that hurry up, no huddle offense. Yeah. If anything, get them, get them that experience in the game. Right. And if you're playing, if you're calling plays, between each play with less than two minutes to go or, you know, whatever. No, that should all be scripted. Like at this point, half of the season, everybody should know what a two minute drill looks like. And maybe someone who's actually played football or something knows a little bit more than me, but that's what those no huddles are is, you know, what's going to happen, at least a a variation, a small variation of what's going to happen. You're just waiting for the quarterback to say plan a or plan B, you know what I mean? So 
you're not doing, you're not giving these guys any sort of experience where at this point it's not going to hurt. You know what, what, what's going to, what's going to happen. Okay. It falls apart. Well now, now they've experienced, they can learn from it and go back and say, what failed? What did we do wrong? Um, and like, yeah, let these guys go out there and get the offense on their heel or get the defense on their heels, get some momentum. Um, and I was very frustrated with that. And I did mention it during the game. Um, while we were calling it. So I, I don't know. I, I'm, I was disappointed in that. Yeah. Maybe fingers crossed. Maybe we'll see some more up tempo this weekend against the Raiders. I think at some point you have to, man. Yeah, I think so too. If the same thing isn't working week in and week out, then you, you, you change it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what's that saying? Um, yeah, it's, it's not crazy or so, you know, if you, Oh it's, man. The definition of uh, insanity. insanity. Yes, there it is. Over and over and expecting different results. Thank you. Boom. As, as soon as you said it, I was like, I know where you're going. Yeah, with I'm, it. Like, I'm like, it's in my head. I can't, I can't think of it. So, I don't know. We'll see, man. I think Stop we'll leave. being insane, Broncos. Come on. Come, come on. Yeah, exactly. Get our asses in gear. Let's go. I'm going to leave that discussion to be picked up by the, uh, the pregame podcast. Uh, so, you know, we did the heavy lifting here and now we'll pass off the baton to those guys. Yep. I feel like <laughs> I reached into my string with all my thoughts on yesterday's performance. So yep. ready to burn the tape, never talk about it again and move on. It's Raiders week. Let's uh, first trip. Our guys will make the Vegas, the play against the Raiders in their new stadium. So, uh, Really quickly, not Broncos related, watching the uh, the Chargers game yesterday, mm-hmm. and I'm like, man, it is loud there. And I'm like, I know they're not a full stadium, but I was like, do they are they really allowing fans? Because I'm like, it is loud. I'm like, wait, are they even in? Uh, uh, I almost said San Diego, uh, Los Angeles. I'm like, well, no. It's, so I'm like, what's up with the crowd noise? And then I realized, oh it's the loudest that stadium's ever been because they're pumping in the fan. They got the pumping noise. Yep. And I'm like, Oh, well man, the, uh, the chargers virtual fake made up fans are better than actual chargers. Oh, absolutely. Um, on one of my other podcasts I record, my co-host said something like, uh, got a feel for the charger fans. They find ways to lose another game. I said, the chargers have fans. Yeah. (laughs) It's news to me. They have virtual fans, but, uh, that's pretty much it, man. I am uh, watching this Jets-Patriot game, and our old buddy Joe Flacco just hit a 55-yard touchdown midway through the second quarter. Jets are up 10-7. Oh, very nice. On the very Patriots. nice. 9.59 left in the second quarter. That's so. uh, Flacco. He'll find a way to lose. Yes. <laughs> if not, Patriots uh, will fall to 2-6. They might as well just tank. And, well, if they lose to the Jets. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. See, literally just tank. Look, I know Broncos – I know the Broncos are one of the worst teams in the NFL, yep. but we're not the worst. At least we didn't lose to the Jets. At least we're not the Jets. You know, yeah. <laughs> it could well, be worse. We had a tough game against the Jets for a while, but ripping at the end of the day, we came out with the win. That's all that mattered. And we beat the Patriots too. So we beat both these teams, both these uh, slouches. So I, I love our fans and I love the people who watch our shows and comment and interact with us. But uh no, I'm going to go ahead and say it. The next person that says we need to start ripping, I might snack you. I might. I might. You know, one good thing I saw about it. That's all about <laughs> I love it. you guys. I love you guys, but come on. <laughs> I, I, this just reminded me of uh, shows we did two years ago, maybe three years ago. Oh, man. Kyle, Kyle Sloter got picked up by the Bears. So that's not an option, Bronco fans. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's Sloter time. You know, I still think one of the highlights of the season, if anything else, is the fact that our quarterback, any of our quarterbacks didn't wander into somebody random person's house on uh, Halloween or whatever, uh, and got beat by a vacuum hose. I so. will say there was, I don't know what <laughs> it was around Halloween time. There was a Bronco fan that him and his wife reenacted the Chad Kelly incident on the couch. He no. was Chad Kelly. He had the vacuum in the head, Chad Kelly Bronco Jersey. I thought it was fantastic. The only thing he should he should have been dressed up as Woody because that's what Chad Kelly was dressed up as. <laughs> I'm glad you brought this up. It's been too long, too many episodes have gone by since we brought up Swag Kelly. Swag so, Kelly, oh, oh good lord! And at least he's not on the roster. That's See, it I could think. be worse, Broncos fans. It could it be. Could be worse. Just saying. All right, Tanner. Any uh, any thoughts there? 
Yeah, it's it's Raider Week. Um, hate those bastards. Um, not, I mean, no, no, they're sorry. bastards. Yeah, that's why I'm pretty good listening, but I'm not holding myself back. Nope. Can't stand Gruden. Can't stand Mayock. Um, I just want to go in and beat these guys. I, I don't, I don't want to lose to them. No. Um, lost to them once last year. That was one time too many. Yeah. Um, want to get this thing back on track, and what what better way to do it than uh, go in and beat those uh, those guys in silver and black. Okay, uh, let's do this. Orange Weekly fans, glad you're here. We have a ton of content for you uh, every single week from this post-game podcast. We have the pre-game podcast as well. Uh, we also have Ragers is our newest podcast. If you want to learn about sports betting, uh, Raven has uh, done a fantastic job putting t- together this show. He's been doing sports betting for years. He knows exactly what he's talking about. Uh, and so he doesn't just tell you what bets he's taking, but he, he teaches you why he explains why, and he explains why some of these other bets he's not taking. And before this last week, he was 19, eight and three on the season. So you're talking about, uh, I mean, more than 50% winning, um, yeah, you're you're doing fantastic, right? So check out Ragers. It comes out Saturday afternoons uh, when the latest uh, uh, betting alliance for the game comes out. So obviously some like, you know, Philip Lindsay, the over-under was 36 and a half yards. I think everybody and their mom was like, oh, oh yeah. come on. That's, that's yep. obvious. And then it didn't happen. So uh- <laughs> I, I bet on that one. I bet on Judy to have over four catches, which he did. I found one that had Locke uh, five and a half rushing yards. Won that one. Nice. And then the other one was Albert O of 19 and a half yards. And unfortunately, I think he would have got it if he would have wouldn't have got hurt. Yep. Yeah. So I won two of four yesterday. So yeah. you know what? But that's that's not bad. And so uh if you're listening to this, you also need to listen to Ragers. And you know, even if you don't like sports betting, if you want to hear what Vegas is thinking and hear you know, Ray goes into explaining why he's taking those bets. So you get that uh perspective of what do you think is going to happen in the game through the betting lines? So fantastic show. Ray does a fantastic job with that. Uh, and so check them out uh, on Ragers. We also have Monday night orange weekly after dark uh, is kind of in flux right now, but we are bringing it back here before too long. We also uh, always have our Tuesday night show bourbon Broncos, no BS 7 PM mountain time. You can check out our website, broncosorangeweekly.com. Uh, we also have a pregame show, uh, post game or a halftime show Tanner. I I'm, I don't get it, man. We are the only people out there that do a halftime show, a live Facebook halftime show. I actually saw somebody else copy us yesterday. Oh, who was it? Mile high huddle. Oh, interesting. Our okay. good buddy, uh, Luke over there. It wasn't him, but it was the guys he worked with. Ah, uh, I wonder Chad, where they got the idea from Chad, Chad Jensen. I'm not, not calling him out. I think you think he does a fine job, but, uh, we're the first. I, I love Luke and I might hit him up and be like, huh, heard you guys start a halftime show. Hmm. Yeah. Since yep. we've been doing that, so that's like one of the first things yeah. we did Orange Weekly was we had a Tuesday night show and we did a halftime show. <laughs> yep. yep. But okay. keep it going because it okay. is great. I yeah. love it. Good stuff. So uh, bottom line, we have we have articles for you guys at, at broncosorangeweekly.com. That's where you can also find our latest podcasts, our latest shows, uh, everything there. So check that out. Um and what I like about all of our shows, our articles, and everything is, yeah, we want the best for the Broncos. Yeah, we are optimistic. We're also going to say say it and tell it how it is, too. Oh, yeah, 100%. So you're not going to get just all the fluff from us. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to say our true feelings. Oh, the Broncos are doing fantastic. No, they're not. Shut up. Like, <laughs> we love the Broncos. We we yeah. we bleed yeah, orange yeah. and blue. But guess what? You're sucking right now. Yeah. Fix it. <laughs> Somebody thought every aspect of yesterday's game was great, then uh, yeah. you need to go look in the mirror. Yeah, 100%. But, hey, we're going to be here win, lose, or tie, yes, year in, year out. We're not going anywhere. So um, this is fantastic stuff, and I'm glad uh, everyone who's listening is listening. Uh, we love we do this for you guys. Um, our motto is fans, brews, and Broncos news. So that's, that's why fans is listed first, is for all of you. Uh, this Orange Weekly uh, – crew talk Broncos amongst each other all the time, but uh, it's more fun to uh, chat with you guys. Um, unless you're a Canadian named Matt, who's an Atlanta Falcons fan. You're uh, dead to me this week, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I love I don't even feel bad about it. Uh, nope. Not at all. Nope. Uh, he's going to disown us eventually. Oh, I'm waiting for it. The, <laughs> the message, Facebook messenger is going to ding tomorrow. I'm, I'm, I'm oh yes. <laughs> 
Cool, man. Yeah. So uh, if you want to help us out, give us that five-star review that helps out more than anything. Uh, you know, your support goes a long way. And even if it's just a message on Facebook, giving us feedback or an idea of what you'd like to see or like us to try, that's exactly what we're here for. So, you know, don't, don't hesitate reaching out to us. Um, yeah. Love the fans, man. I think you've hit on everything. Boom. Did so it. I think that, that just uh, leaves one thing. Go Broncos. Go Broncos. Take care, everyone. Orange Weekly. Fans, brews, and Broncos news.